1: Welcome to the latest edition of ESPN FC live here on ESPN+. I'm Dan Thomas, joined by Craig Burley and Ali Murano. Later on in the show, we'll be reflecting on Morocco being the first African side to pick a place in the semi-finals of the World Cup ever, plus a very personal tribute from Herc, Seb and Gab on the untimely passing of Grant Wall. We kick things off though with England in action against France. France then booking a place in the semi-final with a 2-1 victory. Too uh, many with a great finish early on. We we'll see France take the lead. England though would grow into the game, and it would be a Harry Kane penalty in nine minutes into the second half. Would see them get the equaliser. Then Giroud making it 2-1. Almost straight from the kickoff, England awarded a penalty. Harry Kane putting it over the bar. England out. France, then through to the final four to face Morocco. Uh, Julianne Laurent is with us, as is Steve McManaman, Craig and Ali here in the studio. Before we get the English and French view, I thought from all the matches we've seen, this was the best match with regards to the football of the tournament.
2: Arguably, yes. Uh, you know, normally, before we have sat and watched England at elite level, late on World Cup four years ago, Croatia... Uh, semi-final outplayed thought as the game went on and i kind of think as tournaments have evolved that's where they've been against the better teams but but not today yeah they'll be licking the wounds they lost the game and it's all about results but france in my opinion can find themselves pretty fortunate to get that i thought england after a not rocky start but you know not able to control the french quick passing particularly on the right side, not the left with Mbappu, the right with Dembele playing around Shaw. Once they got control of that, I felt England dominated the game. They worked Hugo Lloris. uh, They never panicked. They created chances. You know, Apumakana got rolled on two or three occasions. Could have cost them. It didn't. And I thought England, by the result, and maybe one or two of the finishes, and obviously the penalty, Mm. I thought England actually put on a really, really good performance. But they're out. Proper match this, wasn't it? Two big boys.
3: Two really big boys. Not pretend big boys, but two really big boys in the middle of the ring going at it. Now, one team better at times, the other team better at others, but what you had was two teams getting after each other with high quality with elite level of execution, with tough decisions for the referee, with quality of execution at times, with the passing and the final touch. There was everything and anything that you won from a game of this magnitude. That looked like a quarterfinal. In fact, we can only hope that the final of this tournament lives up to what England against France was in the quarterfinals. Right, do
1: I start with France or England? I suppose i ah. us start with France, as they're the winner. Oh, Frank the Buff, late. <laughs> oh, uh, so, Thanks for turning up, Frank. Uh, how did you see it?
4: Well, I have to agree with the guy. I think it was a great game to watch, even if uh, in Bossa it wasn't perfect. I think England are mostly more control of the ball uh, and the game, you know, overall. And, um, and France can be, yeah, of course, fortunate to, uh, to go through. Uh, It would have been a different matter if, uh, uh, maybe end of the game, if uh, Harry Kane would have scored his second pen. Um, But uh, that's what it is. Football is about details. And uh, I know that uh, uh, Hugo Lloris has been very much criticized by the British or English uh, uh, newspapers. I think he gave a right answer that he's still a top-notch goalkeeper and did what he had to do today uh, to to save uh, like six times. Uh, the, 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 the French goal. So, so you know, everything was not perfect, but I enjoyed the game because it went from a side to another side. Any team who could have won that game and he uh, went on the French side, but um, let's say I'm happy, but I will be very humble... With that, uh, with that Wow. <laughs>
1: that, the, the word is humble, Maka, in case you didn't pick that <laughs> up in England. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know that was Flank in Frank's home. lexicon. <laughs> Frank humble. <laughs> no chance. Um, <laughs> hey, Maka, a, a weird kind of feeling from an English perspective because they left pretty much everything out there on the pitch, which in other tournaments you can argue they didn't.
5: I totally agree, mate. And I agree with what, what Craig said. I thought, you know, four years ago against Croatia, we had um, question marks after the performance... Even when the final in the Euros, I had question marks about the performance. I didn't today. I thought he played really well, particularly in the second half. Um, and as, as Frank said, in these games, there's just small details. That's all it is. that separate one team from the other. I thought it was the best quarterfinal we've seen. I thought these two teams were really standout sides, actually. It was a pity that one had to lose. But I think the English players can go away from this tournament with their heads held high. I thought it was a really good performance, even though they got knocked out in the quarterfinals. They went out to a really good team and they went out playing really well. And I think, you know, Gareth playing forward at the back and put more creative players on. I thought uh, I thought they acquitted themselves really well. So no complaints. Of course, they've gone out and it's upsetting to a certain extent. But the way they played, I thought, um, you know, they, they did themselves proud.
6: Who needs Kareem the Dream, Jules? <laughs> uh-huh, you always need Kareem the Dream. I don't think you but, do. <laughs> well, I mean, what again, well, again, to be fair, to, to, to be watching here, you could feel the tension around the stadium between the fans. It was I agree with the boys, everything the boys said. I think those games come down to thin margin. This is not the best team that won tonight. England were the better side. I don't think there's any argument about that. There's no debate. But France have that killer instinct. They've got that, that belief all the time that if you don't put your chances, we will take one. We will have just one and we will score. It. And Giroud had one. Just before the goal mm. Where Pickford made a good save A save that you expect Pickford to make But then Giroud sp- spoke after the game And said I was praying God that he-, he Give me another chance And the second chance Came straight after on that wonderful ball by Griezmann, who had a masterclass today. I think when you've got a player like that, whatever team you are, if you have a player like Antoine Griezmann in your team, especially now that he plays in that much more deeper role in midfield, and he can control games like that, he can have such an impact on the game, then you have a, a good chance of winning a game like this. I think there's
2: no doubt France created, in that chance Giroud had before the goal. And I think I felt a little bit sorry in some sense for Maguire because I actually think it was John Stones who just wasn't switched on at all. And by the time Maguire got across to the header. It was too late you know i mean stones never even looked around him when that ball was coming in but i think france's chances not them all but came about through maybe a poor bit of possession from england where england controlled uh, their build-up and their chances and you know there's no doubt hugo Lloris this was a great save by you, but there's no doubt hugo Lloris was the busy of the two goalkeepers look that's why they're world champions they get the job done but i thought in particular, Bellingham, I thought Rice was outstanding. Yeah. Absolutely outstanding. But I don't blame the referee at all, but he worried me. He looked to me as if he was sort of out his depth a little bit running around that field. And I got a sense both benches were looking out, including the fringe one, going, this guy's going to do something stupid in a minute. Yes. yeah. You know, to not see, I mean, amongst other things, to not see the challenges on Saka, to not see the push on Mason Mount. To have to go to the monitor and look it for as long just, just sort of worried me. I don't think... I, I, my head, I, I can't get my head around the, the Harry Kane. And I don't know if you've seen anything, Jules, over there, but we haven't seen anything with the first penalty call on Harry Kane. We never saw, and I'm presuming, Jules, it was just outside the box uh, in the first half, but we never got a definitive angle mm. on that. Did you guys see anything
6: over there? We had a few. We had a few where we were, to be fair. It, it looked like some of on some of the angles, it looked like it's, it, the, the contact is outside, just outside the box. There's others where it looked like it's right on the line, and the line is part of the box, and it mm-hmm. should have been a pen. Uh, it was a call that the the English players didn't really understand at all. I have to be honest that the referee didn't even go to see to see the monitor, which I think. Means that VAR must have said he's here. The foul is outside Mm. of the box. We can't we can't give a free kick here. VAR can only give a penalty if it's outside of the box. You can't do anything. So plays on. Uh, See, I don't have a problem with that. mm. I don't have an issue with it. If it's if it's outside, it's not a
2: penalty. Yeah, we we are the audience. (laughs) The audience was I don't know how many millions, billion, whatever it was around the world. The whole thing with VAR is get a decision right and show the audience. Yeah, and we didn't see it. Um, where did this performance from Anton Griezmann come
1: from considering what we've seen him do at club level well he's done nothing at club level also atleti
3: and the freedom with which he's playing offensively and appearing in all sorts of different spaces and not only appearing but taking those sort of touches away from pressure and then finding the next pass and then going and combine and getting on the ball again and switching it over to the other side always an outlet always a guy giving this team an option through the midfield and giving you some work defensively as well, I thought one of my concerns for France coming into this match that the midfield of England would be able to control the pace of the game because they would expose the fact that Antoine Griezmann is also playing in that midfield. And you're going to force him to defend instead of having an impact on the attacking half. And while the midfield of England was really good, I thought that Antoine Griezmann individually was able to give that outlet to France all the time. It wasn't Mbappe all the time. Mm. It was more Antoine Griezmann getting on the ball. And then he was finding the next pass. To your question, I have no idea where the performance is coming from. Because given what we have seen and the evidence of what we have seen from him at Atletico Madrid, it was a player who was on the wrong side of his career. And then you watch him play with France, and you go, oh, well, that's world class. Haven't seen it in a while, but that's world class. That's how good Anton Griezmann has been.
2: Give credit to him any first goal, brilliant. Really good finish, yeah? Oh, I mean, no back left whatsoever, no run up. Not great from England, obviously. It came from that sort of, I think it was a Pomacano challenge on Saka, all the way up the field. You meant the clear foul on Saka? Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, again, we didn't get many angles of that, but it could have been. It could have been, and certainly from an English point of view, I'm sure they. they I heard the best, I heard one of the best, I've heard a few crackers in this World Cup. But I heard one of the best ones today on a broadcast. Uh, <laughs> this was that Jude Bellingham's big mistake in closing down uh, uh, Many was he should have kept his legs closed. Right, OK. No, I haven't seen yet. 20-odd <laughs> years of playing and watching, I haven't seen anybody yet able to close the ball down with their legs yeah. closed unless you're going to tie your legs together. I mean, just <laughs> incredible. It was unfortunate. The ball went through his legs. Maybe Pickford sort of a bit late it was a bullet of a shot. Uh Maka,
1: we know that the English media love to cast a villain when they go out of big tournaments. Who's filling that role
5: here? <laughs> Nobody to be honest mate because of course you can't necessarily blame um Harry Kane he's upset enough because he's missed the, the his second penalty but you know he's uh, equal Wayne Rooney's record he's now you know up, up there with the leading goal scorer for England. I think he played well. If he didn't play well I think they would have found some reason yeah. to complain. But the fact that they played well, the fact that there was a number of decisions that you can always turn to and say that never went our way, that didn't go our way, which is which was correct. I thought the referee was poor as well. Uh, I think they can look to those factors rather than try and blame a particular player or a, you know or, or a particular mistake that happens in the game. You know, it was a good Giroud goal. You know, it was a great cross from Griezmann. England went down the other end, missed a penalty. You know, they had a chance in the last minute where Rashford this a really nice free kick, but it just didn't dip enough. Sometimes in games like that, it goes your way and other times it doesn't. How many times you say, you know, sometimes the best team doesn't win competitions, but you just need a little bit of luck here and, here and there to get you to where you want to be. And um, France got that today. And they're the world champions. And the fact that they got over the line and got the results... Even though at the back sometimes they look really debatable, um, you know, it shows what a great team they are because they've had their injury problems as well since the start of the tournament. So you have to re- realise that.
2: You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't, if you're Harry Kane, aren't you? I mean, uh, so yeah. we saw Mercy taking a couple of penalties yesterday to, with, with great aplomb. He's billeted that first one in. I mean, the worst case scenario is. Uh, I mean, somebody else steps up and misses and Harry's Harry's the coward for not taking the second, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The worst scenario for him was not only is he having to wait and it's his second one, it's his Tottenham teammate. Mm. I mean, it's not like it's a goalkeeper, it's not seeing him every day. It it makes it even more difficult. Uh, Frank
1: wants attention. Frank. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> now, because in that matter, I had a chance to interview, uh, to interview Hugo, Hugo Loris, you know, about those, those penalties, and I said what, what went through your mind, and did you train with Harry Kane, you know, you being in goal and him training to score goals? He said it happens sometimes, you know, and uh, well, you know, you just pray, and it's even more difficult to guess, you know, what's going to happen when you play, uh, you, you have to uh, uh, receive a penalty against uh, one of the best players in the world that you know perfectly, but you never know what's going to happen. He said, the only thing I can say, he said, even if I'm happy that we won, I feel very sorry for him because he's a great guy. He's a friend of mine. And he was very respectful, respectful towards uh, Harry Kane and that he felt very sad for him. And I had a chance also to interview Didier Deschamps after the game. And and I asked him what was the weirdest thing that he saw today. And he said, you know what? I was about to substitute Olivier Giroud before he just scored the goal uh, by Marcus Thuram and uh, also Dembele Bakoman." And he said, that's crazy, because they were ready to come on, and, uh, and he, he scored the goal and say I left him after. And it would have been maybe completely different if uh, I would have uh, substituted uh, Giroud before, before he scored. You know who the happiest person after
3: uh, Hurricane misses a penalty is? Teo Hernandez. You, yeah, you want to explain to me what in the world is he doing? Oh, yeah. yeah. The ball is well <laughs> over not only yeah. his head, but obviously Mason Mount's head as well. There is no chance for Mason Mount to get on this ball. And the fact that you don't even see the ball and you just go and shoulder charge somebody from behind, what do you think was gonna happen? It's incredible to me that a defender at this level does that, that he's unable to judge the flight of the ball and see that he's going over his head, over Mount's head, into the arms of Hugo no issues, no danger whatsoever,
1: and now you have yourself a penalty. Uh, Frank, I don't think this is one of your interviews, one of your many interviews, it sounds like, <laughs> uh, but Rabiot said that it was justice that Harry Kane missed the penalty, because it should never have been a penalty in the first place.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I cannot agree with that. You know, that's a clear foul. That's a clear penalty. I think if there are doubts on the penalty was um, not given, you know, in the, first, uh, in the first half at the beginning of the game, uh, I didn't really see if it was on the line or before the line. But totally agree with the two penalties with the, with the ref. You know, Chouamini makes a, a big foul on the first one. And as, uh, as um, Ali said, you know, I don't even understand what Teo Hernandez was trying to do. Because, as he said, he couldn't catch the ball, and he he really pushes uh, Mason uh, uh, on his back, and that's a clear foul. Nothing to complain about.
2: <laughs> for all the guy, for all the good Harry Kane's done, and I'm sure there'll be more. This is going to be the one thing that sort of sticks in his craw.
1: It's, 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 t- it's going to be tough to say. And with. I
2: think what he's trying to do—I might be wrong—I I think he's tried I think he's tried to go straight down the middle, and he's unless I'm wrong but I think he's tried to go straight down the middle high right. and just ballooned it I mean I, I, I was half thinking he's going to try the Penenka and I thought no nah, no nah, nah, <laughs> he can't be doing that but I think he's tried to go uh, he's, <laughs> he's second guessing the goalkeeper here because he's, wh- he's whizzed it across him for the first one so now it's a game of bluff and I think he's, thinking, he's going to dive so I'm going to fire it right down the middle Yeah, you lean back a smidge on that And and that's history.
1: Uh, Macker, it's interesting because uh, a lot of knives were already getting sharpened before the start of this tournament regarding Gareth Southgate's future. But I can't imagine after that performance, despite losing in the quarterfinals, Mm -hmm. many are calling for him now to be sacked.
5: No, I think it's the other way round. I think people want him to stay on, to be honest. I know his contract's another couple of years until after the Euros, but I think we see progression, and this team is exciting. And there's a lot of creativity there. And there's a lot of youth in this uh, England side, and he leads the team really well, doesn't he? You know, there's no um, there's no stories that come out of uh, the England camp now. Everybody seems to <laughs> no be No dentist happy. chair, Macca. No Excuse me. No dentist chair.
7: <laughs> no
5: dentist chair. No none of that. All. Right. If only they might have won if they went in the centre. <laughs> <laughs> M-
1: Mac, are we being? I feel like we're being too positive here for an England side who who had the potential to go and win all of this.
5: Yeah, of course we are, mate. But if you look at the other teams and you look to Holland last night, the way they played and they went out, and the way you know Brazil, I think England played played the the, the best best out of all the teams that have lost. And sometimes you just lose, you know. Last year, when they won against Denmark in the semi-finals, was, you know, was uh, sorry—in the Euros, he was still questions to be asked. But I don't necessarily think there was today. You could look at the game; you saw how well England played. You saw how they lost and why they lost. There was extenuating, extenuating circumstances why they lost. And sometimes that happens. You know, all the boys who play football matches where you know you were the better team, but somehow. You know, you lose the game by, by a, you know, a, a twist of fate here and there. And sometimes you just have to take it on the chin and say, you know what, we played well. We made loads of chances. We just couldn't converse. They converted theirs. And there's nothing to get um, really down about. You know, there was, uh, when they played USA, we sat here and went, spoke uh, negatively about England's performance. The fact that they got through and the fact that they went out today. I think you can speak positively about it. I think you take every game as it comes. You know England's are progressing really well. There's not a lot between them and the world champions. Um, mm. If anything, they were the better team with the better stats. So you can take it at face value. I think we can be positive really with the performance tonight. I'm,
3: I'm not English, right? No, Ali. No, not no. at all. No. And yet, I am left feeling a whole lot better about England right now mm. than I was after the final of the Euros. Yep. Correct. Correct, So even though they lose in the quarterfinals, I feel better about this team than I did after missing out on an opportunity to be progressive, to be uh, aggressive in the manner in which they approached the game and they did not against Italy. They did against France. It just didn't work out.
2: This is the great Jim Telfer. You're rugby man as well. Yes. One said in the British and Irish lines before the game, he said, defeat doesn't worry me, it's performance. Because we've all suffered defeats right. quite a lot. Many of us. <laughs> uh, and, but, you know, and I think a lot of people were waiting for Southgate's team to be negative, to be coy, to be timid, to be pedestrian. And, and they were not. Ultimately, it's a results-driven business. But uh, there was a lot to enjoy about this World Cup, this game, this performance, who they played against. You know, against the USA, they weren't great, hmm. England. They yeah. were not great. Yeah. They were allowed to be bullied at times by an average USA this is not an average, for, I mean, it's not the best French side in the history of French football, but it's a good French side with a lot of areas that can hurt you. And I thought England were really, really good. And There were, you know, a couple of inches of leaning back penalty away from taking it to extra time and a great Hugo Lloris performance, apart from the couple of crosses he flapped at. Yes. I think some of the saves he made, he, you'd expect him to make. Yes, exactly. You weren't no. like in the corner, they were at him and he yeah, reacted. The Bellingham re- reaction was good. It was good, but it was sort of at him, but. Yeah, he flapped a couple of times, but no, it's hard to criticize England's general performance.
1: Uh, Alexis is with Jules. I'm sorry, Alexis, you've got to be stuck with him after this. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Actually, Dad, I would tell you, we're freezing out here, but I hope you remember that I did pick France to win this when we were stood out here with NATO. And Jules also was on that show, and he says, I don't know, my heart says, France, but my head says England. And Jules, did I not tell you? Have a bit more faith. You have the experience at this level, even though Mbappe didn't have the best of nights. Look at your boy Grizzly.
6: Yeah, he was outstanding. We've said that already. I think Kylian didn't do much. You're right, and I think Walker defended very well for most of the time. But the one time when they when they went in numbers on him for that first goal. A simple one-two with Upamecano, then Declan Rice is a little bit too short and then that unbalances completely the English defence and after that the ball goes out wide, comes back Griezmann, Chouameni and Bellingham is that half second too short because I think of what happened with Killian when they tried to go at him with three players and that's all he did, that was enough, I'm happy with that.
7: And of course you're happy with France going through. We both of us, we live in London. We know exactly what the vibe is going to be like there. I got to speak to a couple of the fans after. Not many England fans, as you can imagine, Dan wanted to talk to us. This definitely does hurt because they felt they did everything right but they're still having questions, despite what the boys said, still having questions about Gareth Southgate after this one. Where do you stand on
6: that? I think, I think it's hard to blame him, really. I, if Saka wasn't injured, I'm not really sure why Saka came off, and he brought on Sterling, who'd been in London for five days. That sub didn't really make much sense for me, but apart from that, they played well. They were a bit nervous at the beginning, we said that. After that, I think it's hard to put the blame on, on Southgate. However, this killer instinct that we've been talking about, you know, after Killer Instinct, you need to, to learn how to get it because those games are won with Killer Instinct. Yeah.
7: Well, the lights are turning off on us here at the Albaic <laughs> Stadium. It's almost time for us to go. It's very windy, so back to you, Dad.
6: What next?
1: About Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, what happened to Mbappe? Uh, <laughs> did it, was it just that
3: England did a good job on him? Uh, well, maybe. But this is the question that I would ask Kylian Mbappe. Early on in the second half, the one time that he faced up Uh, Kyle Walker and actually tested the speed over distance, which let me tell you, elite level speed. Something that I am not familiar with and I don't think any of us are familiar with. These guys are running side by side and Kylian Mbappe is able to turn the corner on Kyle Walker. Why if you have proven that you can get around that guy, why are you coming short to so many balls? Why are you looking to combine five yard passes? Why don't you use this asset who... It's a dominant asset above everybody else in the world. It's a dominant asset that he's able over distance to create separation from the fastest guy England has defending that you've proven you can turn the corner on him. Why not continue at the very least have those isolation plays and try to exploit that instead of settling for the five yard passes and coming into the crowd. There was opportunities for him to run away from the crowd and he was coming towards the crowd. When he was able to extra- stretch his legs, you can see what he is as a player. I just don't quite understand why he wasn't setting himself up for more of those plays and more of those sequences. What was your
1: biggest concern with the French performance today, Frank?
4: Well, I guess defensively, what they offered to the, today and the, the mistakes that they, they made, uh, and... Um, in that level, you know, you pay the price every time you, you make those mistakes. And uh, and it happened too many times, but we already talked about it. We knew that the front line was uh, very effective, that Rabiot, Chouamini and Griezmann were doing the job. Uh, we had some question marks about the back and uh, and uh, it's still not resolved. Uh, yeah, maybe Hugo Lloris was fortunate to have the, the ball that he had to save, you know, because they were close to him. But at the end of the day, if uh, he wasn't on a good day, it would have been a, a, a drama for, for France. So I don't know what Didier Deschamps can do uh, from now to, uh, to to Wednesday against Morocco, uh, but he has to talk to his defense because they have to try to to, to, to make the a better to get a better um, performance that we, are, we we saw today because you know it was uh, concerning really really much concerning today. Uh, before I let you go, Marco, who do you want to
1: win
5: now? Is it a case of anyone but France? Not <laughs> um, <laughs> not no, not particularly. I, I would like the best team to, to win. I know that's, that's, an, that's an easy answer. So, you know, France, Argentina, there's, there's stories around Argentina, of course, with Messi. Morocco's a great story, isn't it? I can't necessarily see them winning the way they the way they keep playing. But I just want the best side to win. And if that is France, so be it, you know, with the best players. It's great to see Mbappe still there. It's great to see Modric still there. Of course, it's great to see Leo Messi still there. And And then the story of... You know, Morocco and Akemi and um, people like that. So it's been a really enjoyable World Cup. It made the best team win. I'm quite cool with it, actually.
1: Don't even pretend you're going to watch the rest of the tournament, Maka. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Uh, Good night to you. Just a reminder, extra time available over on our YouTube channel. Uh, Frank is with us later on, along with Ali and Craig, uh, to answer your questions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply, need to hire, you need Indeed.
8: Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's E L E C T R I C ebikes.com.
1: ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid. As we discuss, Morocco booking a place in the semi-final. A historic victory for them. No African side in the history of the World Cup have made it to the final four. They did so by defeating Portugal by one goal to nil. Oh, are you glad we've moved on from that. Oh, okay. these, look, at the, look at these scenes. These are the scenes in Morocco. Unbelievable stuff. And this was uh, afterwards as well, once the final whistle went. These are celebrations that went
2: long into the night. To be fair, those crowds look a bit like the Moroccan defence. <laughs> <laughs> but went <but laughs> hard to get through. Very much so. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? it it's, it's a brilliant
1: story, certainly from the outside. It not so brilliant uh, from a Portugal perspective. Where did it go wrong for them?
2: Uh, well, uh, I mean, I don't think... Uh, Portugal were ever going to do to Morocco what they did to Switzerland. They're, they're, they've already shown that Morocco. You know, haven't, it's that old uh, start again, but only lost one goal to an on an goal yep. to an opposing player. To be in the semi final of a World Cup with the squad they've got and to have achieved that, it's just incredible. And the injuries and the 120 minutes plus penalties from the game before, yep. that's an amazing feat. I, I think from Portugal's point of view, Ronaldo clearly wasn't going to play. I think they morphed back into the Fernando Santos side that we know. But why would they do that? With the momentum of what happened? I, I, I just sports. think they lo- you know, we saw, again, I'll go back to the, what I said the other day on the show, was, was, was a false dawn for Spain, was a false dawn for Brazil after magnificent performances. And now we've seen a false dawn for Portugal where it came easy for them yeah. to an extent. And maybe they thought it was just a light switch again. We'll go back out, we'll create the chances... They didn't have that zest, that pacey passing, the movement. They just couldn't do it. And maybe this Morocco was super hard to play against, much more difficult than Switzerland. But they just did not replicate everything that was good from the Switzerland game into this game. They could not. They kind of reverted back to just individuals again. Yeah, but I would say that in the context of
3: comparison or comparing what uh, Spain was against Morocco... I looked at Portugal, and, and while I understand that the passing could have been quicker and that the movement could have been quicker and that, the, that, that, that that sort of spice that we want from their game and that we have seen from their game would show up, I actually thought that they were more effective than Spain was. Spain looked like they were well, never going to score. definitely more
2: effective, but yeah. not effective enough. Yes.
3: But more than Spain, yeah. And, and Spain never looked like they were ever going to score. Portugal had chances. No, Ramos had the chance, Pepe, obviously, at the end. Well, yeah. They had chances. And... Even Cristiano Ronaldo had a chance. They said, I have a chance, so be it. But it is Cristiano Ronaldo we're talking about. There were opportunities there. Uh, G- Joao Felix had a couple of opportunities himself. So they were, they were trying to find answers. And and I think that's where your point is valid and is well taken. The fact that when they, when they got desperate, when it became about problem solving on the field, that it wasn't as easy as it had been against Switzerland... Yes, they became individuals, and they became sort of this team that fragmented in the attack. So rather than having those quick combinations, now you're getting desperate. You're just lumping balls in, or you're just trying to squeeze balls in spaces that are not quite there, or you're trying to dribble players that uh, dribble into positions in which now you, you draw yourself out of spaces. And I just think that Portugal got to the point where they had no answers and they were looking around, and that guy didn't have the answer. That guy didn't have the answer. And now, well, Cristiano's going to have the answer. Well, not anymore he doesn't have the answers. There's a reason as to why he's sitting on the bench, because those answers are not coming as evidently as they once did and as clearly as they once did. And Portugal just wasn't able to figure out how to break down Morocco, and to that, we have to give
2: credit to Morocco themselves. I mean, the goal, just briefly, the goalkeeper sold the jerseys, didn't he? I mean, yeah. as good a header as it was, oh, yes. he came out. He come out half. He came out half-hearted. He didn't yes. come out. Yeah, and I'm nitpicking here. William Carvalho, not playing. I'm nitpicking when you win six-one, and you're changing the team. I, I, I know it's nitpicking, but I'm leaving it as it is. Sure. Yeah. I, I, it was a great performance. I'm leaving it.
1: Uh, let's welcome in Frank and Gab uh, to the conversation as well. Gabby, you, you were at the game, which I imagine felt like a home game for Morocco.
9: It did. It's absolutely tremendous. Scenes, people outside, you know, without tickets, um, kind <clears> of <throat> just wanting to be part of the atmosphere, even outside the stadium. Um, and obviously, uh, and goal goals, setting them on their way. Um, I, I, I love to pick holes in Fernando Santos. I mean, Craig laid out all the silly things Fernando Santos did today. But I think I, I want to give credit to, to Morocco because, as, as Craig mentioned, um, you know, without Mazraoui, without Agger at the back, uh, being fatigued, those two guys in midfield. I mean, I, you know, uh, <coughs> Amrabat and uh, and Uwani, uh, unbelievable. Uh, the, the, the 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 quality and quantity combined. Um, when they had to defend, they defended. When they had to cue the break, they 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 they, they cued the break. Um, honestly, like. I think this is a game that Morocco won, that Morocco deserved to win as much as Portugal lost. As a collective, it's quite a side, Frank. It is.
4: It is absolutely fantastic to see. On top of it, they are interchangeable. You know, the captain, Saïs, has to get out. He was already injured, but wanted to play. They play with with their heart, they play with their faith, but they also play with their head. Um, the coach was a kind of a new coach uh, and, you know, after Ali Lodzic was uh, resigned, he, uh, he, made, he put a tactic in, in, in situation, in position, where, which works perfectly for them, you know, where defensively they're absolutely fantastic. As, you, as Craig mentioned, the, uh, it's been a while since they considered, they considered a goal. It's, uh, again, another clean sheet and uh, the last goal they considered was a non-goal. So everything works pop, uh, perfectly. And, uh, and because ne- and Nesiri scoring a Ronaldo kind of a header today, you know, you have the icing on the cake. So everything worked perfectly. Of course you can consider that somehow they can be fortunate, but it's part of football, you know, getting your chance when you, when you need to get the chance and when you need to be fortunate and when you need to perform. And it's part of football on top of it. If Da Costa makes the mistake on the picture that we see now, uh, Costa, sorry, uh, you have to, t- to talk about Bounou. I mean, that guy, the Moroccan goalkeeper, is absolutely exceptional. And, uh, and without a goalkeeper like that, you cannot go to semi-final. He's the, the right goalkeeper. So everything works for Portugal. I have to say I was a little bit disappointed by Portugal. What I saw against Switzerland, mm. it's exactly what we want to see from Portugal. We didn't see it again. And that's, uh, that's sad because they have all the talents for that. But there is a certain way to, to play. And uh, the first 30 minutes were a tiki-taka, kind of boring stuff. I say, what's going on? What, why are they going back to that, where they should against Switzerland, that they, more, they can be more effective playing more vertical? And we didn't find that today. Um, it's interesting what Bruno and Pepe had to say
1: after the game. They were not happy with the referee's performance, saying that he wanted Argentina to win the World oh, Cup. Oh, OK. Hence, he was very much favouring Morocco. Oh, is that it? Mm.
2: Well, I didn't quite see that myself. No, I don't.
1: I don't so, think there were any sort unless of. Unless I missed
2: something, and on, on, it, it was just it was an, it, another. Nobody, somebody has to tell Morocco this World Cup's about goals, <laughs> excitement. But that's not the way they're going to get it done. Clearly, but they're not. They're not Greece of the Euros many years ago, who were just stoic and yeah. sat and. They, they've got a real threat on the counter attack with mm. pace and physicality. But no, I, I didn't see the referee. I mean, that's, that's, that's sour grapes 2.0, isn't it? Because this was about Portugal being... <laughs> and, and I would also say, in regards
3: to Morocco, that today their line of confrontation was higher than it was against Spain. That It was almost as if they said, OK, we're going to defend, we're going to be tied the way that we have been, but we're going to give uh, ourselves a real chance in the counter in which we don't have to go 80 yards to create a chance. Uh, We have to go 50 yards, 40 yards. But when we do that, we're going to commit some numbers going forward. And so I I see the fact that Morocco have been defensive, and that's the way that they're going to play. But at the very least, there is a willingness that... We're going to be conservative, but if there's a chance for us to go, we're going to go. And they had themselves chances in the counterattack where they could have put this game away from any sort of stress. The other thing that I would say about Morocco, none of this makes sense. (laughs) None of this makes sense about Morocco. Because when you talk about the preparation for a World Cup, it is not ideal preparation that you change managers with three months to go. Because if indeed you're going to be conservative, if indeed you're going to be about being organized defensively, well, you need to work together to do this doesn't make sense that they're able to do what they are doing so far. It doesn't make sense as to how Amrabat, all of a sudden, is a world-class player. This is a mid-table sort of guy, all right, that is playing like a great elite player. Oh. Where, where is this coming from? I have no idea. But Amrabat has been outstanding. I think Gab was was I, I, you, then. I
2: would, like to, uh, I would like the referee to go in, or Pepe, to go in and see the referee. Tell him how bad he was and say, well, listen, you can talk about... Uh, missing out in semi-finals and, and world cup finals but I didn't miss a header at the back post from 6 yards right at right mm. the death all he had to do yeah. was get it on target and he couldn't uh Gabby you're making noises
9: Oh no no just just I'm I'm a big I'm about, uh, a guy and uh uh, obviously, Ali doesn't watch a lot of Fiorentina, which admittedly are mid-table and in Serie of Exactly, that support, exactly. Uh, I Ali's said mid-table point, kind
3: of team, right? Happy. I said mid-table
1: kind of team, right? Mid-table kind of player, he's in a mid-table kind of team.
9: Okay,
1: <laughs> all right. Gab, did you think the officiating was suspect? Uh, but he's this club. I don't even want to call them mid-table. Mm-hmm.
9: No, look, I, I, it, it's funny because, as you may have heard, uh, Jules and I uh, sat down with... Um, with Pierluigi Collina uh, before the World Cup, and his job is to pick referees for games. And in the past, it used to be very, very simple. Like, okay, you could officiate in the round of 16, and then if you were from a country that's in the quarterfinals or, or forward, uh, you wouldn't officiate anymore. And what they've done now is they said, uh, this is silly. We should be grown up enough. You know, Argentina are in the, other, uh, in the other half of the draw. If there's an Argentine referee that we think is very good, we feel comfortable using him. Why shouldn't we? We want to get the best referees there. Um, so they knew this was coming. You know, Fernando Santos acting all surprised. Why is there an Argentine referee? Well, you know what? Should have listened to the Gabin Jewel Show interview with, uh, yes. with Colina. He would have told you. Yeah. By the way, it happened in the last World Cup too. Yeah. Um, it's absolute. It's it's absolute nonsense. If if you want to make sure, you know what? If you want to make sure that uh, Argentina win it then what you do is you knock out France in the last round, you knock out Brazil in the last round, uh, you knock out England. You know, you get all surgical about it. You don't go and, with all due respect, knock out uh, um, Portugal. And, uh, and we haven't even addressed Cristiano yet. Well,
1: we? let's, let's address him, Gab. Is this the last time we'll see him on a big stage?
9: I don't think so uh, I, I think I think he he wants he wants to give more I think he has more to give um, what does it what, what does I, it I, have more I, to give Gav? I was really surprised well he's had an absolutely rotten six months but you know in the season that ended not in 2012 but in June of uh, of 2022 um, he finishes the third top score in the Premier League um, there's a lot of Center forwards in the Premier League, which is the best league in the world, who score fewer goals than Cristiano. So, so Ten got uh, it wrong. I think he can still go and help somebody. No, no, he may not be Manchester United. He may not be right for Manchester United, but um, I, I still think, you know, I don't think I don't think he's happy leaving like that. I was struck by the fact, and, and I wrote a column about this, that when he came on, you know, towards the end, as, as all the Portuguese players are, are freaking out and remonstrating and, and then Bruno Fernandes pulling at his shirt and gnashing his teeth and whatever. Cristiano was actually super calm. It was almost as if he felt that, you know, I'm going to nick this winner now and I'm going to stay calm and I'm going to lead us. And, and obviously the, he only had really the, 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 the one, that one half chance. Um, so it didn't work out for him. Uh, but obviously something's broken with Fernando Santos. I, don't think, uh, I think one or the other, most likely Fernando Santos, won't be back. Um but, you know, I, I don't I, he doesn't look to me like somebody who's ready to, to throw in the towel, put it that way. And I think also a lot of people, including in Portugal, who thought like, Oh look, you know, Gonzalo Ramos is the answers to all our prayer, prayers are now probably second guessing themselves a little bit.
2: I don't think he'd be super calm if he sees the little man left in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I think there'd be a couple of fridges been kicked somewhere or whatever. Uh, <laughs> oh, in that why is he kicking I, a fridge? Well, kick anything. That moves. <laughs> <laughs> him he, sees the, he sees. Oh,
10: oh you damn no, you, Mr Fridge.
2: <laughs> oh, it's, that fridge doesn't move. <laughs> I think you meant Portugal. I think you were talking about Portugal, were you? When you're I think you could, you could talk about domestic or international. Well, what he does domestically, I, I, I don't know. Whether it's some place where we don't pay much attention to it, but there's lots of money or whether it's I don't know, no idea. I think from a Portugal perspective, you know, the next World Cup will be what, 41 and 42, we have the Euros but a bit like Manchester United in my opinion, it's it's, it's time for Portugal to move forward they've seen the best of them, they've had the best of them, it's not going to get any better it's not going to reach those heights again, yeah I'm not saying he can't come in and do a job but he'll bring in The eyes of the media, he'll bring in the attention and there's a new manager and that's what they'll have, is that what he wants? They have enough within the squad to go again without Cristiano Ronaldo. They have enough to to rebuild and rejig and and bring some freshness about it and, and whether he's got it in him to say that and go, look, I've had my time, we couldn't get over the line, I'm stepping back. For me, that would be the best thing for all parties.
3: Here's the thing. Cristiano Ronaldo is not built or made to be just another guy. And so if he were to hang around the national team picture, it would be to have a role much different than what he has had in the past, in which he's coming off the bench to provide you with perhaps a final touch to score a goal if you need it. But that's it. Limited to that. He's not built to be that guy. I don't think... In his soul, this is something that he would feel comfortable doing and just being a cheerleader in the background. Part of what has made him successful is he wants to be at the forefront, in the foreground. Yes, give me the ball. I'll resolve the issue. He's no longer in that position and won't be for Portugal any longer.
2: And if I'm a new manager pitching up, sorry, I want to be seen to be someone that can make that big decision early. And... If you don't make that big decision and he does come back, every time you turn up for a friendly or a a Nations League or a qualifier, the question is Uh not about your squad. The first question is, is he playing? Is he happy? And I think that job and this job is tough enough, international management, without having to deal with all that. When you know that player can't deliver you on the field... I would imagine, what he's delivered over the last, what, 15 years. So I think it's time to move on. What do you think, Frank?
4: Well, I think we'll have a, a very uh, near answer, you know, very soon uh, at least, uh, with the decision that he's going to make to choose the, the, the team that he's going to play for. If he plays for a top league, we can expect to see him again with the national team. If he plays for, let's say, a more exotic uh, clubs you know, or club. Uh, uh, I don't think we we can or uh, Portugal can count on him uh, um, saving the national team. So we're going to be uh, we're going to know very soon. Uh, but I, I'm with I'm with the guys. Uh, well, <laughs> I really think that he wants to stay. He wants to come back and uh, he wants to uh, to play um, and start the games that he wants to play. He do not want to be in the bench. So it's going to be something that they have to decide with the new coach if there is a new one. Uh, but um, the Ronaldo uh, problem is not over uh, because uh, what's going to happen is mostly um, depending on him.
1: Uh, thank you very much, uh, Frank. We'll say thank you to Gab for the moment. Much appreciated, of course. As mentioned, uh, you can check out the Gab and Jills podcast throughout the tournament over on the website.
11: Visit 1 800 gambler.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
1: Uh, let's focus now then on who's going to win the whole thing. Uh, Frank, France got to be favorites, haven't they?
4: I'm not sure about that. I think it's, uh, first, you know, we all know that the game against Morocco, it's uh, more than a simple game, more than a simple semifinal. And um, according to what we saw from Morocco, it's going to be everything but easy for, for the national team. And then on the other side, you have two big teams with two fantastic players, with Modric on one side and Messi on the other side, who want, want to win a World Cup. So it could be... It could be. It could come from everybody. I think Croatia wants a revenge against France. That's for sure. And they, they showed last game that they were absolutely fantastic, compact, strong enough. When you beat the the favorite of the World Cup, you have to be the contender. You have to be the main one. So I don't know who's going to win it, but I enjoyed that World Cup because it's indecisive, um, full of suspense and... Uh, and really enjoyable.
1: It's funny, isn't it? If you looked at the semi-finals before, and I told you it was going to be Argentina, Croatia, Morocco against France, you'd be like, "Well, you know, mm. Argentina, Croatia—they're going to push it. Argentina will go through. Morocco, France, France." But it's not been that sort of World Cup.
2: It hasn't. And, and uh, you know, whether the French have better luck than than Spain and, and Portugal mm-hmm. try to break mm-hmm. this Morocco team down. Uh, I don't think they're going to be frightened of Kylian Mbappé. Yeah, I am mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they're talking about them but I don't think they're fearing any of them. Look. I think France got away with today to an extent because England dominated the midfield, right? We talked about that. They're really good in midfield. The only team in there I think that can match them in the middle of the park is Croatia. I I think Argentina have the strengths, but I don't think they're the strongest central midfield. And that is really the hub of what Croatia do. Brozovic, Modric, Kovacic. Uh, So in that sense, if France get past... uh, Morocco, I think they would be hoping for Argentina, albeit with Messi right. to, to beat Croatia because I think France can get at Argentina. May not be
1: the easiest game on the eye a Morocco Croatia final. <laughs> somebody's gonna <laughs> want to have, have the ball. Elitist now, but yeah. <laughs> somebody's gonna want to have the ball and obviously it
3: would be Croatia. To that point, what about if France just sit back and wait for Morocco? Is that something that, that could potentially happen? I say, okay, oh, right, Morocco, come on and attack us. This is going to be the ball in the yes. middle no, 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 you get the ball. No, you get the ball. <laughs> it's the only way that you're going to have Morocco actually push forward is that you give them the ball. It's going to be like Stevie with vegetables. <laughs> yeah, nobody's different. going to touch it, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Argentina. Because obviously, according to Pepe, there's a conspiracy here. Yes, yeah. 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 And so if FIFA wants Argentina to win the World Cup, Argentina's going to win the World Cup. <laughs> of, of course, more so than the. Uh, the controversy. Dan. I just think that oh, Argentina oh, is trending oh, in the oh, correct oh, direction. Oh,
1: the voice from Paris is here. Here we go.
4: Yes, your father is talking to you, my dear Dan. And right, because you lost today, enough. you have to listen to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there is one thing in, uh, important for France against Morocco because we are all talking about Kylian Mbappe. He's going to play against his friends, his best friend in Paris Saint-Germain, Hakimi. They're all calling each other. I mean, that's, uh, that's it's going to be a very tricky uh, confrontation because Hakimi is an exceptional player. He's a very good player. He knows how to handle players like that. He's fast as well. It's going to be very interesting to, uh, to see how Kylian Mbappé behave in front of uh, players like Hakimi and the other way around. So it's not going to be easy. And, uh, you know, I have a little thing that I think that Croatia... Is for me the favourite.
1: Well, they're playing the music in front of you, Frank. Uh, We've, of course, got a lot more time to look ahead to those big games. Be sure to join us tomorrow as we start our countdown to those two semi-finals. Meanwhile, the world of soccer was rocked by the news that Grant Wall passed away yesterday whilst watching the Argentina game. A lot of reaction, uh, as you would expect. Uh, Across the globe on social media, Bob Lee tweeting out, generous of spirit, a peerless journalist. Grant Wall did more to inform and explain and celebrate the beautiful game than any other American ever. Full stop. His loss is incalculable to our profession, prayers for his family. Jeff Carlisle, of course, writer on ESPN, saying devastated to hear the news of Grant Moore's passing just returned from Qatar a few hours ago and then catching up to this. A fine journalist and human being who worked tirelessly to support the sport of soccer as well as the work of other journalists who covered the game. Ian Dark tweeting, I've just woken in Doha to hear the shocking news that Grant Wall has passed. The game in America was lucky to be served by such a brilliant journalist and in my time covering the US men's and women's teams, a kind and helpful companion. I can't quite believe this. R.I.P. Grant. On behalf of myself and the national team, tweets Tyler Adams, we offer our deepest sympathy to Grant's wife, Celine Gounder, and all those who mourn the loss of Grant Wall. As players, we have a tremendous amount of respect for the work of journalists, and Grant was a giant voice in soccer that has tragically fallen silent. A uh, really nice tribute here. This is where Grant Wall was supposed to be watching uh, the game today. Uh, a wreath of flowers laid, and on the big screen, uh, Grant Wall paid tribute to a head of the England clash against France. Well, Seb Gab knew him well. Uh, this is what he, they had to say about his untimely passing.
12: Thank you very much, Dan. Uh, as we saw there on social media, an outpouring of support. In light of Grant Wall's tragic passing, uh, of the three of us, I think you've known Grant the longest, what first comes to mind.
9: Well, I mean, I I met Grant way, way back before the uh, 98 World Cup in, in France. And, you know, you get this sort of wanky, already balding, even back then, kind of disarming Midwestern charm type of guy who is super bright, But also super curious and he wants to know and he's kind of like you know sort of a gentleman in in france in europe um and what struck me for so long back then was at the beginning when he started out he was covering college basketball for sports illustrated as well as as well as soccer but soccer was his big Mm. passion you know there he is he's writing a cover story about a 16 year old lebron james but then he gets super excited because oh the magazine might send me to cover you know, United States against Honduras or whatever. Um, that, that really was his passion, and, and he devoted his life to it.
12: It's funny. He used the same word you did when we talked about it on Football Americas, disarming.
0: Yeah, he really was. And I, I like how you said he was, he was curious. Um, my first interactions with Grant were when I was coming up as a footballer in Los Angeles around 2005, and I think around the time I left Los Angeles and I went to Colorado, he just come out with the Beckham experiment. You know uh, that book on David Beckham, a- and I still remember all the footballers involved. Uh, you don't get close to footballers. You don't get close to people like Bob Bradley, um, who he was had a very good relationship with Jesse Marsh. Unless you're disarming, mm, yeah. footballers by nature aren't very trustworthy. They don't trust just trusting, any- yeah. trusting. Thank yeah. you. They don't just trust anybody. He had that about him, and, and you know they are little just things that I remember, how uniquely Grant he was. I was just talking to Seb. just popped up in my mind. Most people have, like, a pin collection. They collect jerseys. Scarves. Scarves. Ticket stubs, you know, when it comes to, like, soccer, Mm. football. Grandma collected soccer shorts. (laughs) Yes, he did. Yes, he did. (laughs) Just so random, but so uniquely Grant. You
9: you you talk about uniquely Grant. I mean, what I think about it, and, you know, he tells stories. You know, Grant was an Eagle Scout. And I didn't know that, but not a surprise at all. No, yeah, not a all. surprise at all. And he's explaining to my kids who are, you know, at that age when like boy scouts are not particularly cool, <laughs> and and his face still lights up mm-hmm. when he talks about it. He talks about you know what it did, what it did for him. Or an even more extreme Grant example, but still very very Grant. Grant has these two um, toy poodles, yep. Coco and Zuzu. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this because they're getting older as dogs or toy poodles get older. um, They can suffer teeth decay. And guess who brushes their teeth every night? There's a special dog toothbrush. Hmm. And he tells you this in just the most disarming, endearing way. And you just say, and and you listen and you say, wow. Can you put into context for
12: people? Because a a lot of the people that see this may be international viewers Mm -hmm. Just how important he was to the American soccer media landscape, because you know the American soccer media landscape, but I think you have a different perspective on it than us. You kind of see it from the outside.
9: Look, I I think it's tough to make your living as a football writer. Um, As a football writer in the United States, all the more so. There are more today. But I remember when he became a full-time football writer, uh, when when S.I. said, okay, You don't need to do college basketball anymore. Um, I believe at that time there were only two Mm. who were actually in the US, and Grant was one of them, who who were making a living doing this. Uh, So he kind of had that whole continuum. He had that, you mentioned that tremendous relationship with Bob Bradley. Bob Bradley, another Princeton guy, um, like Grant and and like Jesse Marsh, they were all contemporaries there. Um, But, you know, he was able to do it because he could always bring a fresh angle to the story. Mm -hmm. You know, he could cover a story from like the hardcore sort of futbolistas start talking about tactics and technique and so on. But he could also say, Hey, you know, sports fan at large, this is what makes a story relevant or interesting to you. And he always approached it with his curiosity, with, with his wonder. You know, he loved to travel. He loved to tell stories. And, that would and he was obviously a very, very gifted writer as well, and, yeah. and that's what made the package work
12: He really was, and it's an easy phrase to say, but I don't think one to achieve like the preeminent American soccer journalist, right from a player's perspective, did you guys feel that way when you got a grant wall interview when you, when he was tweeting about you?
0: Think about the names in the room, he was the name in the room yeah he was it I mean, do you live abroad? we have a certain appreciation for the game and how it's consumed abroad. I go back into my upbringing. There are certain sports figures when it comes to media broadcasting, whether in print or in television, and you know who they are. Even today, when you speak to our colleagues, our international colleagues, they know Grant Wall. And to think about how much he's accomplished, but how young he was, 48 years old, that to me is what's, the crazy part about it, and you go back to how disarming he was, Grant spoke Spanish. Grant lived in Argentina. He did interviews, and he did TV work, and you know some writing in Spanish, and you would never think of these things. No. You got to meet some of the game's central figures, it, and got those people to buy into what he was selling. It, it really is amazing.
9: And he was there. He was ever-present, right? I mean... He was recognized here at the, uh, at the World Cup recently for, mm-hmm. for the fact that he covered eight World Cups. Every World Cup since, since 1994, he covered the first one for, for the Miami Herald, of course, subsequent ones for, for Sports Illustrated and, and whatnot. Um, you know, you don't, you don't get to do that. You, you develop a network of, of people, not just, not just other colleagues and not just footballers, but, but coaches, um, league officials and so on. Uh, and, and he knew how to do that side of it as well. You know, it was so multifaceted. He's not just the, the guy who wrote stories, the guy who, wrote, who did interviews. He's the guy who knew how to network, the guy who knew how to how to find the right angle. Um, all those skills in in one person. Yep. Uh, Gab, thanks for the memories, the perspective at uh, what I know it
12: must be a difficult time. You know, I'm Grant for a... A long, long time. Uh, we have much more on Grant Wall and his legacy on the latest edition of Football Americas, which is, of course, available now on ESPN Plus. Dan, we send it back to you.
1: Well, reaction not limited to the soccer world. As Gab mentioned, he wrote "The Chosen One" for Sports Illustrated, which introduced LeBron James to the mainstream sports fan. Uh, this was his reaction to the passing of Grant Wall.
10: I'm very fond of, of Grant and. Uh, you know, having that um, that cover shoot. You know, me being a teenager and him covering that, it was um, it was a pretty cool thing. And he was always um, pretty cool to be around. He spent a lot of time in my hometown of Akron, um, covering me over the course of time before that 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 shoot came out and um, or before that cover story came out. And I've always um, kind of watched from a distance. You know, even when I you know moved up in the ranks and became a professional and. You know, he kind of went to a different sport and things of that nature over the years. Uh, anytime his name will come up, I'll always think, think back to me as a teenager and having Grant, um, you know, in our building um, down at St. V. So um, it's a tragic loss. It's, a, it's, a, it's a unfortunate, um, uh, you know, to lose someone as great as he was, um, you know. And um, I wish his family, like I said, uh, the best. And um, you know, may, may he rest in paradise.
1: The SPNFC family, of course, pass on their condolences to Grant's Wall's family. Grant, who passed away at the age of 48.
10: The war in Ukraine has begun.
8: Your fellow countrymen see you and your team.
10: Take the field. What do you think they say?
8: What a
11: wonderful night for the people of Ukraine. Against all the odds, this team will come
0: together to keep their World Cup dream alive. Oh
1: gorgeous. So be sure to check that out. That's available tomorrow on ESPN 530 Eastern. You can stream it also on ESPN Plus. Meanwhile, in Iran, women are banned from soccer stadiums, but some women dare to defy that to back their joy of the game. Be sure to check out the latest edition of the 30 for 30 podcast, Pink Card. Well, ESPN FC on ESPN Plus is presented by the all-new Honda CRV Hybrid. Away from the World Cup, the big story today coming out of Germany is that Manuel Neuer has broken his leg. Uh, it'll leave him out for the rest of the season and has not been, of course, a good few weeks. So Bayern Lucas Hernandez, of course, doing his ACL. Sadio Mane getting injured ahead of the start of the World Cup. They've got PSG uh, in the in, in a round of the Champions League, <laughs> which will be the first of the knockout stages. Strange you're talking about domestic football, considering everything else uh, that is going on at the moment. Uh, this was the picture of uh, of Manuel Neuer with a very broken leg, uh, Frank. This, well, I gave it away. Yeah, indeed. This happened uh, while he was uh, doing some sort of skiing, which is approved by the club.
4: Yeah, that's approved by the club, but I remember skiing and knowing that. Um, um, it was forbidden for me to ski, so I guess it was kind of a ski where you know you're being dropped by helicopters and then you go downhill. But it's even more dangerous than uh, on a normal slope. And uh, and really, I'm amazed that um, that um, it, it did that kind of thing because they are dangerous. I've been skiing since like, the age of eight years old, and uh, I know how dangerous it can be. I was hiding. I always said that I knew that it was forbidden, but the only forbid stuff was to get injured, uh, to break his leg. It happened to him. Well, I wish him the best. And I think it's very sad for, for Bayern Munich, but um, I have to say, like I did, it's, it's unprofessional for me.
1: Uh, just to confirm, it wasn't Bo- James Bond, James Bonnet's jumping out of a helicopter. It was something uh, supposedly safer than that. Well, but still not, so but, but, skiing, but,
2: skiing. but still a risk. Well, skin skiing, riding a motorbike uh, band. Well, they might, might have changed now. Uh, Skydiving just in case the parachute doesn't open. Right. Bit of a problem. Yes. You know what I mean? So, but yeah. I tell you what, I'll still have a hundred bucks on Bayern winning the league. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm not worried. I suppose so. They're, yeah. they're, All
1: right, 50. their priority, obviously, is the, is the Champions League. And this the, is the... Well, but here's the thing
3: Lucas Hernandez does his ACL. These things happen, right? Yes. It happens on the field you're frustrated, of course. You don't want it to happen, but you are able to accept it and and try to, at the very least, get back on the field as soon as possible. In the case of Manuel Neuer, by skiing, you're calling upon this. This wasn't a risk that you needed to take. And so, while I have some sympathy for Manuel Neuer, because nobody wants anybody to break their leg, you almost want to say, what are you doing, man? What are you doing going skiing? You're still a professional player, and while it may be allowed, and while you may be taking all the precautions, you are now bringing into the equation something that wasn't there before, and now you got yourself a broken leg.
1: Uh, the transfer window, of course, will open at the start of January oh. uh, to keep up to date oh, <laughs> with all the
2: latest. I hope the World Cup doesn't finish. The transfer
1: news. Uh, be sure to go over to the website. Uh, here is the reaction then in England to them being eliminated, French fried, Lionheart's broken. It's the end of the world. <laughs> okay, Wow. Uh, Qatar okay. heroes. au revoir, Qatar. Uh, Alexis called out with some fans after the game.
11: Again, Southgate's making uh, some substitutions too late. He should have uh, he did that against Italy, he did that against Croatia. And so I think he's, be, he's good, but he needs to be a bit more brave when we needed to be brave.
6: What went wrong is England were playing on the back foot. If you're on the back foot, you are more likely to fall behind. Uh, we didn't deserve to lose. Uh, you know, penalties, they're always hit and miss. And
1: uh, England did peg it back, uh, but it just wasn't enough. And that happens in knockout football.
9: You get one chance and it's very cruel.
7: Uh, yes or no, quick answer. Sticking with Southgate?
9: Uh, no, get rid of him. Uh, no. He should have played
4: more attacking players, more on the front foot, f- foot, punch for punch. Shame that we went out this way.
1: I think this team under Southgate still can do a lot at the next Euros. It's only less than two years away. And I, I think England can do it. Come on, Euros 2024. 20, come on. <laughs> There you go, good. So, one chap, same research level as me. There was one chap that you didn't want to say, i to play in the centre-half. No, that's <laughs> it. It's just attack all the time. Uh, that is it. Thank you very much to everyone who has been on. Stay tuned. Extra time is next. Frank with us, obviously the boys in the studio as well, to answer your questions. Uh, ESPN FC Extra Time is brought to you by Globant, hello and welcome into the studio, Craig and Ali with us, and Frank Leboeuf obviously had to be Mm. here on a day like today as France beat England to book a place in the semi-finals, Uh, a lot of questions this sort of tone, Dan how's your spirit, Mm. you have to be proud of England and the way they presented themselves during this tournament.
2: (laughs) Paint the picture.
1: I didn't sit down for ninety minutes. So you're in your house. Yes, it's what just me. Going? Where were the boys? Uh, they were upstairs. They don't care. Out the way, no out. interest. Okay. No interest. English also. jersey on, uh, an England jersey was yeah.
2: That's yes. your big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> too and too
1: much just bunter. a lot of pacing. Right. There's just a lot of bad, unnecessary right. language.
11: <laughs> yeah. I Can't I condone You know on. what?
4: You know what? I feel I I would love I would love to be a fly, you know, since yesterday. You know, after your wife losing with Brazil yeah. and you losing with England. Yes, I mean, it's what? not a good. Twenty-four it's hours that. and, and a Brazilian referee. Brazilian, yeah, Brazilian referee. Brazilian Don't forget referee.
1: Forget that, Frank.
2: I can just imagine the pacing around the lounge on your own. TVs on. Yeah. Like just nervous energy. I'm presuming as the game went on, was whenever the dog walked by, you'd, get you get out of here. Yeah. Poppy was coming in and out of the house. you <laughs> were doing that. And she was three. scared. Yeah. Two of mine decided they were going to have a carry on in for a carry on in front of the TV. Yeah. When it was getting exciting, I'm like, freaking dogs! Carry on is a fight. <laughs> what do you mean? Just in case. Carry on, yeah. I carry, <laughs> I carry on is a British, Scottish, British. All right. Play, play acting, fighting. I didn't know it was going to say that term.
1: Uh, Frank, you watched it because you were doing French TV as well, yeah? And then you interviewed everyone
2: afterwards. Money, Frank. Money. Morning.
4: Yes, exactly. I yeah, have man. to watch uh, this afternoon and work after the uh, Moroccan games, uh, Moroccan games, oh. and then I work again for, for the French England, and I am here in front of you. Wow, big pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Wow, no time. What well, English it. No representation to enjoy, did you have on the panel? Time to work. Oh, none. We don't oh, talk to English people Disgusting. In French. You know, we don't like you. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> uh, Craig,
1: do you think Portugal underestimated Morocco a bit, like the panel did yesterday, even though Morocco has the best defence in the competition? Of course, everyone in the panel went for Portugal to go through.
2: Yeah. Mm. Including Craig, by the way. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I went for Morocco. I, <laughs> I, uh, I think everybody felt that Morocco would... They had used all the gas up. Right. I don't think they underestimated them, I I just think they couldn't replicate the match before. Uh, we've got a good, good couple of panelists here for this
1: next question. How difficult is it to take two penalty kicks in one match? Because Craig famously took three in a Premier League match. Scored your first two could have been the first person ever to get a hat trick of Premier League penalties. Yes, well, in England, in the Premier League. Yes, that's why I said Premier League penalties. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
2: right. Yeah, at the end. Well, yep. the answer is, and, and it wasn't clearly not the pressure of uh, a World Cup, but it was pressure. It wasn't a, a nothing match. It was at Derby that year we were fighting relegation, mm-hmm. so there was a pressure. Not that much And it is difficult because you're second guessing And I remember when the third one came around I mean, I was already in the second one I was already, yeah, you know, where where do you go? Do you go same side? I went same side I did what Kane did Whipped it across the goalie Yep. did the same again Keeper went the right way Almost got there So now I've got the third one in the second half And I'm like, Right I'll go the same way because he'll think I'm going there. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. I told you that Alan Welke, the referee, blew the whistle. Right. And I went, oh, <laughs> I have a cup of tea. <laughs> Wait a moment. I, not, I don't right. know where I'm putting it. Right. I didn't know where I was putting it. So then where did you put it and why? I tried to go down the middle. Right. Which I think, which is what I think Kane tried. I might be wrong. I tried to go down the middle with a mid-height. Yes. The keeper went the same way as I'd went the first time. Yep. And I kind of. Pulled it a little bit to so get a leg on it. He got a leg on it. He got his his left leg on it over the bar. Oh. But you do, you, you do it's
1: natural. I bet. I bet Frank, you've taken more than one penalty in the game as well, haven't you?
4: Yes, it happened once, uh, and uh, I scored two, and I had the third one. I didn't want to score the third one. But I, I agree with Craig. You know, the second one you say, okay, I put that there. The first one I put it on the floor, you know, on the right side of the goalkeeper. So why do I do? Do I change? Will he think? You know, we're not very much, too smart people. So when you start wondering, <laughs> you know, it's becoming a big mess up there. So uh, I guess, I guess it's, you just switch off and you say, okay, I shoot there, and we'll see what's going to happen. But uh, well, it worked for me. It only happened once in my career, but. Uh, um, yeah, it's kind of a difficult uh, um, uh, situation. And uh, I think it sh- should be avoided by asking a, a, one of your teammates to, to shoot the second one. We, oh, we, sp- we, sp- oh, God.
3: we spoke about it yesterday. With Messi and the technique that he chose to utilize the in, slow
1: he did the slow The
3: slow and staring down the goalkeeper. That, that's even more nerve-wracking. Yeah. It's not like he's picking a what side. If they don't... Yeah, what if the guy doesn't move? Yeah. And and so it's about who's gonna hold their nerve? Who's gonna is it gonna be at some point Messi's gonna have to approach the ball and hit it? But the goalkeeper feels like I cannot, I cannot wait, I cannot wait, I gotta dive, I gotta dive. <laughs> if I don't dive, I'm not gonna get there.
2: And Messi went out. We had a couple of lads that could would have taken it actually, but they were younger lads. Okay. Uh, Seth Johnson and, and Rory Dilap. Right. Uh, the more senior players. They were on the field that day. Yeah, they didn't want anything to do with it. They wouldn't. They have no. taken. I could. Seth Johnson would have taken it with his great, lovely left foot, or Rory because yes. yeah. he's daft. Yes. They were like, <laughs> well, what Rory. a compliment that is. Well, Rory, were yeah. a daft lad from Carlisle. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a lovely lad, but he's, Rory, great striker. But he would have. But I didn't want to put them in the position, and I, I didn't have the stomach to try the Panenka. Right. Because it might not even have got to the six-yard box. And Jim Smith would have stubbed the cigar out in my eye. Oh, nice. Had I tried that? Lovely, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, So I didn't have the.
1: Uh, I didn't. Roy DeLapp, of course, well known for the long throws yeah. at Stoke. And of course, Danny Higginbotham was telling us that one day in training he just launched it. And they're like. Why, why have you never told us about that? It's like, well,
2: no one ever asked. Rory, <laughs> why didn't you tell us about bit f- You never asked me, Gaffer. <laughs> we could have been 12 points off the relegation. We could have been on the beach. Oh, man. Uh, Frank. Hope he sees us. If you were the coach or
1: teammate of Teo Hernandez, what do you say to him in the locker room? There was a lot of swearing in the Thomas Howe Solvers hearing the replay then. Because what was the referee taking so much time about mm-hmm. in the VAR monitor? Anyway, uh, Frank,
4: Teo Hernandez. Well... Uh, well, uh, considering that your friends won, you know, I, I would say to him, "Hey, guy, never, never, ever again, you know, please." What, what happened to you? Why did you lost your? When did you lose your mind? You know, doing that, uh, but in a nice way, because we we uh, we uh, we won. I think it's more difficult if you when you lose the game, right. and you have that kind of player who make that mistakes, and uh, that you don't know how you have to behave because you can go maybe uh, to a fight you know, with a guy if you make a, a, a hard comment, because the guy, I think, is already you know, very sad and upset a bit with himself. So it's hard to, psychologically, you have to work uh, according to the, to the situation, I think.
2: Just in case Rory ever sees this, I don't think so. Let me reverse that. OK. Rory wouldn't have taken the penalty. I right. just remembered. Oh. He got sent off after 30 minutes. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, so he was... a real a tribute way. to Rory Delac. Good job, Rory. <laughs> he was off. A harsh uh-huh, sending off, I have to say. Right. But he was
1: off-ski. Oh, OK. So he wouldn't. Anyway. Uh, Frank, what kind of chances Morocco have against France? Their defence has been exceptional, but they've picked up several injuries, and I'm presuming they don't have the same depth as France.
4: Well, you know, uh, everybody thought that today will be also the kind of game where you know they, they, they had some players injured and uh, and uh, and the tiniest will uh, uh, will come over you know after maybe an hour and this why Portugal will win will easily win, but they show the spirit that uh, they, uh, they 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 they, ha- they needed to uh, to beat Portugal. So now seeing that you know seeing how much they work defensively, how strong they are, you know, to uh, to go with the the, the coach tactics. Uh, I would say it's, it's almost a 50-50. We are in a semi-final of a World Cup. To say that it's going to be easy for France would be uh, uh, not doing football and not respecting football. So, uh, uh, DJ Deschamps talked, already talked about it. There is a time to, uh, to enjoy tonight. We're going to talk. We're going to see how it works. But we already know that what the coach did with that Moroccan team in such a short time, uh, it's exceptional. ZH... He's playing at his best, you know, where he had two uh, very difficult years uh, with Chelsea and, uh, and players are showing their best right now and uh, it's why, you know, you have to respect them and, and consider that it's a 50-50 because it, it's not. A simple game. It's a, a semi-final of a World Cup. We've
1: got, got plenty more time, haven't we? Plenty more time. Yeah, yeah. Right?
2: He's got that jacket on again with the little red thing on the side. He's sleeping in those turtlenecks i mean not funny.
1: Well, what's right? he doing? I, Frank,
2: a time's hard. <laughs> Just change your jacket. Do you turtleneck it up on French TV
4: as well? Yeah.
1: <laughs> of course.
4: Uh, No, today uh, 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 um, they they pushed me because of the French national team. I was coming like that. say, said, no, no, you have to wear a a shirt with a tie because it's for the national team. I got a little bit upset about that. You got upset? Brilliant. (laughs) uh, I dressed the way I want. But, But because I know that Craig and yourself hate me so much when I wear a turtleneck that I carry on, you know, and Uh, uh, I'm going to keep on keeping it as long as you hate it.
1: Frank, take us through the conversation between the producer who said you had to wear a shirt and tie and your response to that.
4: (laughs) Uh, Okay. I said, okay, if you say so, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it was a but he lead. must have had comfortable
3: socks. We know how much. Oh, yes. He yes. always yes. knew socks comfortable from, from socks. West Farms Mall. Yes. yes.
4: <laughs> oh, yes. I, yes. <laughs> I have my blue socks. Yeah, oh, yes, guys. Yes, you yes. know? I'm really excited about these oh, socks.
1: Oh, the love. I
2: love those ones. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ali. Oh, sorry.
1: To me, it's simple. Uh-huh. Southgate has been the owner of a Ferrari for many years and big matches, and yet he insists on only driving under 30 miles an hour in a school zone. This England squad need a manager with dynamic ideas, not constant caution. Well, we advise everyone to drive at 30 miles per hour in a school zone. It's 25, actually. Yeah. Yep. Let's think. It's the Reaper Barn, which you've been on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> not the Reaper Barn. That's somewhere in Hamburg. LAUGHTER <the>, the... <laughs> It's a what? different
3: place.
1: <laughs> you mean the Autobahn? Yes. <laughs> I've been there. The Reaper part. anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, what is the question then? I'm, just I'm not completely about uh, it.
3: I'll, well, look, I, I would give some validity to that statement following the Euro final. Right. But not after today. Today, England attacked. Today, England got after France. So, based on today's evidence, I don't
1: think that's accurate. I've been to Hamburg. Have you been to the Reaper Reeperbahn? No. I, I, think ful- I filmed Autobahn. a pilot there for Channel Five and like a fans' guide to the World Cup in 2006. Mm. So it had like an edge of what fans might like. <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> what about the Autobahn?
2: <laughs> it's not the Reeperbahn, I saw. <laughs> Craig, who should England
1: hire next so he won't take Saka off when he's causing all the problems? Yeah, I don't
2: know if he was. I was a bit surprised about that. Being on the mind, they were trying to foul him every time when he yeah. came in the box, won the penalty. Uh, what was the question? Uh, who should replace Southgate? It's not. It wasn't that bad, come on Right
1: I mean, I don't know did, you, did it surprise you? What? That you, that you have that answer compared to the criticism that you've laid at his door in previous tournaments
2: No, I think, I think previously I think he's been too uh, defensive Right And I think he made some bad team selections with the players that he had. I, I, today, I don't think he did. I, I think he went with what's worked and who was playing well. And Five minutes here or there, changing a the substitution. I don't think it was much. I mean, he's, he's, he's top, the top striker in English football at the moment missed a penalty. Yeah. It would have taken the game into extra time. France were France were on the rack for long periods. Just didn't win the game.
3: This wasn't a situation like, say, Luis Enrique, that you're asking questions, or Tite that you're asking questions. Yeah. There's Again, just, after this just match... Football.
5: Just football, isn't it? What well, yes, that yeah, yeah,
3: well, that's oversimplistic. But yes, it, in the end, France is still a very good team. And so you lost to a very good team in what was a very good
1: match. Uh, in the group stage, there were a couple of very weak penalties called in favour of Ronaldo and Messi. But otherwise, the officiating seems solid. It seems like the bad calls or non-calls have mushroomed in the knockout games. What's going on? Hmm.
3: Well, the pressure ramps up not only for right, yes. players; it ramps yep. up for the referees as well. Right. And but you would assume that having the system that you have in place, the bad calls, if it is if they are game-changing, game-defining calls, would be able to be addressed by VAR. So in that sense, I would assume that VAR actually takes some of that pressure off. Apparently, not. Uh, Matteo Lajos just woke up yesterday
2: no, no, no. when he just saying As long as he's not doing the final, yeah. I don't care well, who the Surely they can't give him the Well, final. I know, but I'll tell you who's happy, England. and Um Yeah, we were talking about this before. Say England for me, I can't say it. Yeah, England. 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 Are you going to talk about an English referee now? Yeah, because you heard Ian Dark talking about it. Uh, no, I didn't. All right, I shall okay. tell you. Ian Dark said he was talking to referees, not Michael Oliver. Yeah. And... They all said the English ones; they would be happy. well it's Clattenburg, isn't it? Back in the day, he said he was happy when England got knocked out. All right. I thought Michael Oliver is a good ref. I think better than that one today. Uh, well, yeah, Brazil. There go. See, there you are. Lovely.
3: Clattenburg won't be happy though, because if Michael Oliver then yeah, calls... it kind of eclipses him as yeah. oh, well.
2: Did, did Mark ever do the? Was it a European final day? I, I He's done the Champions League final,
1: hasn't he? Howard Webb did the uh, final in 2004, the Spain-Netherlands game. That was, game. Oh, it was yeah. the one I did. That was the de Jong one, wasn't that it? That was yes. the one
2: I did. It was a horrible game. Yeah, that, yes, at, was. Was. at least when Clattenburg comes on, we can, if, if Michael Oliver gets yes. to do the final, we can yeah. call Mark the nearly man yeah. <laughs> when he comes on. Right. In fact, he might not even get to do the final for the, for the uh, network he's broadcasting for at the moment. Uh, what would you surprise... It's a big surprise, bearing in mind who will. What would surprise you the most, Frank...
1: 2018 finalists meeting again the final that is France and Croatia or Argentina against Morocco final both would be interesting
4: yeah both would be interesting but you can understand that I would be more interesting about Croatia playing against France right and have a kind of a revenge from uh, for, for Croatia um, I think it never happened that two teams uh, meet uh in two finals, four years after. Um, So that's kind of odd and and special. Um, Yeah, would love to see that. I would love to see Croatia again. Because I think, I really think that, you know, I didn't like the final of the World Cup uh, four years ago where I think the first goal that France scored wasn't really a penalty. It wasn't. That the foul on the free kick that Griezmann scored, I think, on the second goal, wasn't a foul. No. I was pretty upset by the fact, yeah, I was happy for France, but I was i think it wasn't nice and fair for Croatia. So maybe a revenge would be nice and see France winning uh, in, a, in a normal manner.
3: He, he has a funny way of showing that he was happy for France. Yeah, and it was because yeah, 98 Did yeah, right because... you
1: see
2: the other side of Messi after the Dutch game? Yes, I did in the mixed zone. And, the, and, to, and to the Dutch, whether it was Van Gaal, I think it was. Did you see right. that? Yes, Yes, it was the Van Gaal. Do we know what Van Gaal said? Not uh, that he's immune to saying stuff? Messi said that Van Gaal disrespected
1: Argentina. Oh,
2: okay. Did really? he? Yeah. He got yeah. very angry, though, didn't he? He was, was angry in the mix Shut zone.
1: Yeah. Can we say the word that you use in Spanish? Yeah. Is Bobo? What's Bobo? Dummy. Oh, dummy? Yes. I saw
3: now No. <laughs>
1: At insult
3: school,
1: yeah. Yes. As insults insult school, insult school. Takes one to no one. I know one. What's that? It takes one to know one. An angry man.
2: What's that? <laughs> I thought you called me a dummy. <laughs> I'm alright with well, well, that. I'm
1: okay with dummy. Final question, Reap Dan. Dan said that he was going to wear shorts in every restaurant now for the next four years. Despite Frank. Uh, Frank, what would you? What would annoy you more? <laughs> what, what am I saying? Here? Do you think you'll do it? Who's more upset? Me with English law. England's loss or you for his affront to dining culture?
4: Mm. I, I didn't get the question the last time. Am I, I angrier that England are, are out so or you, you, the,
1: you, I, are you angrier that England... Um, oh God. Um, that, uh, it's been that, a long day. Shut up. Right. I, <laughs> let's go. have flight angrier. Get. Shut, up. Shut up. Are you angrier that I'm going to wear shorts in restaurants for the next four years or was I angrier
4: at England's yeah. loss? <sighs> Or I think I would be angrier, you know, that you decided to wear shorts uh, for four years when I told you you look stupid with it with them, you know, and you, want, you don't want to listen to me <laughs> well, of oh, course wow well make sure you wear a shirt and tie now for
1: the yeah, next time yeah. you're on TV make sure when you're, you're getting, you're pa- told. when you're get When getting paid okay. by other
2: broadcasters yeah. you don't do it here yeah. I think it's a bit harsh in you son Yeah. I, I, because sometimes you're wearing shorts and they kind of look like trousers in a way right. <laughs> your short legs
7: you and got, I never
1: know if they're beautiful short legs, yeah. if they, <laughs> gap, beautiful
6: legs n- I never
2: know if they're long Short.
6: I
1: always try to go, are they long shorts or short longs? People would describe my calves as Jack Grealish
2: esque. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Given the definition of them. I- that's it I'm pretty hairy too listen your whole body could fit into Jack Grealish's left calf <laughs> right. trust me oh that is it England are out France oh, are
1: through no. oh, this no. blooming World Cup still going on oh, there no. we are so it's not coming it home it turns out
2: Messi's a horrible it's going little sod coming <laughs> home Messi's horrible and Ronaldo's finished right
4: there Ooh, you, you are right you've got to pay the
2: royalties on that now Frank you're
1: done good yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll take that out of your wages uh, we will They'll be back. There's plenty to talk about looking ahead to those uh, semi finals. Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday, isn't it? Right. Argentina, Tuesday, France, on Wednesday. Yeah.
11: Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e Bikes. They're the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's l e c t r i c ebikes.com.